Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of No Effort Human. This is David Papa, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Rebecca Delgado. She is an international woman of mystery. She's got roots in several countries. She speaks a million languages. She's one of those people that they needed to disappear. You'd never find her because she can blend into cultures all over the world. She's an actress and a coach and an amazing interviewer here to flex her interview muscles in our discussion about flow and getting into an effortless space in your life, which this podcast is all about. So happy to have her here. Hello, Rebecca. Hey, David. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, great, great. Well, I'm going to turn the show over to you in a minute and see where you'd like to take this conversation. And uh, But why don't you give the audience a little bit of a you know, couple lines about yourself? I'm sure they would love to uh, find out more about you and give, tell them how they can do that. Yeah, and then we'll shoot on with the show. Great. Well, thank you. And I should start by saying that almost everything that you said about me is true, depending on who you believe. So that's mm. a little riddle for the mm. audience and yourself to think about. Okay. But thank you for such a wonderful introduction. It's an honor to, to be joining you today, talking uh, to such a great person about such a great topic. So I am originally from Stockholm, Sweden. I grew up in Sweden, but I'm also half Spanish. Uh, I am a coach, as you mentioned, and I work as a coach, but I'm also a trained actor and former ballet dancer. So I still act today after about a 10-year hiatus from after drama school. So I guess you could call me what you just did, which is an actor <laughs> and coach. And they go really well together. It's all people focused and behavior focused. So I find it really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did I, did I call you an actor or an actress? And I, you, I noticed you, call, you, yeah. Yeah. I call, you called me an actress and I called myself an actor and that's, there's there, there's been a whole debate around sort of the gender neutrality of, you know, being an actor or not. I, you know, I tend to call myself an actor, but I also don't mind being called an actress. So you can have your pick. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, maybe I violated, you know, maybe I did something. I somehow caused some gender faux pas there. Did I? Uh, I, I wouldn't worry about it at all. I wouldn't worry about it. But, you know, uh, someone else might say differently but i think it's mainly for people who are in the industry who might feel like everyone is an actor today there are no actresses but that's a whole other topic to discuss well, well, yeah wait but it's coming up so let's let's go with the flow for a second what mm. what's the you know tell me more about it what's the what's the you know impetus behind that i i don't know i think it's this thing of like getting away from gender uh mm. and I'm not sure why it's it's hit sort of acting so specifically because there are other I'm thinking like waiter waitress uh steward stewardess but actor actress I know that sort of the the thing to say say in the sort of New York theater world um today according to some people is you know actor no matter what gender you are. And I would be lying if I said I was an expert on the topic because I'm not. Um, I guess it's just that you can say both. And uh, for some people, it's more comfortable to say that they're actors. Mm. 
yeah i'm 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 not sure i'm giving you a very coherent answer on that one well it's it's just interesting you know i'm I'm sure this will be related to something we talk about later i'm sure this is Mm. no coincidence that it's coming up this idea though that you know does it somehow devalue a uh female actor to call her an actress versus an Mm -hmm. actor you know i think that's the kind of that's some of the crux of what the question is right yeah yeah uh if you're asking for my personal opinion no i don't think so and i don't mind ever being called an actress at all i quite like when language has that kind of that level of specificity but i've just gotten used to calling myself an actor so it's it's not it's actually not something that i'm i'm saying as a political statement it's just something that i've i kind of say out of habit now okay yeah well that that idea this this way that language works maybe that's how it's gonna connect with flow Mm -hmm. and trying to get to the effortless place because the way we use language does influence that does affect that you know Mm. and the way we name things does affect that because Mm. uh, words are not neutral inside ourselves you know words are kind of neutral in uh, you know, kind of objectively, we could say words are neutral, right? And you could say mm-hmm. it's how you use them or whatever that makes a difference. But inside you, they're not neutral. Your subconscious has definite definitions and meanings and associations attached to all kinds of words that are connected to all the rest of your internal map of the world. And so, yeah, we'll see how this comes up. But it's it's interesting, you know, anybody listening what I would encourage you to do is, you know, what were you feeling when we were talking about this idea of actor versus actress? Were you like, Oh, that's stupid. Or were you like, yeah, Oh, he called her an actress. What an asshole. You know, like what was, what came up for you? Because you're, you're learning a little bit about your own subconscious map of the world and those kind of language choices. So just a little, little bit extra, little bonus, little impromptu pre episode bonus for you guys out there. Thank you, Rebecca, for entertaining my questions. <laughs> no, thank you for picking up on it and, and turning it into a, a, an interesting topic. It's definitely something to think about. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so flow, surrender, the no effort human. What interests you most about this topic, Rebecca? Well, I I find it really interesting, but I was actually going to ask you the same question to oh. begin with. What What... Or when did the topic of flow and effortlessness become interesting to you? Was there a special trigger moment that you can remember? Or was it, how was it? I feel like my whole life I've struggled with struggle. I feel like I've uh, had had an idea about how working hard was the only way that anything would happen. That everything would be a struggle. That you had to push and pull and fight against the universe against life against circumstances you know and that's how it got things done it was by rolling a huge boulder up a hill you know and the people who were able to do things in the world they're just the ones who push the hardest you know and this kind of this approach led me into a lot of situations that were totally incompatible with me it led me into situations in relationships where i was in them for years just like pushing struggling trying to fix it trying to like trying to make it work against all odds and then it would end and you know this happened to me once in particular with a six-year relationship i was fighting for years keeping this thing together 
And then finally it ended and I felt such a feeling of, of relief. I felt such a feeling of freedom. I didn't expect that at all. I, I expected the sadness and the fear, which is why I was fighting to keep it together. And then it ended and I realized, oh my gosh, if I would have just not struggled so much, if I would have just let it, let it end, I'm so free now. And of course I had to process all the things that happens when a relationship ends. But there was always that freedom was there, that, that sense of relief was there. That was a big clue. That was in my, I guess, mid-20s when that happened. That was a big clue that I was really struggling for things in the world and they didn't necessarily make me happy. And my brain was focused on certain ideas of what needed to be, certain ideas of what should be, certain ideas of ways I was wrong, ways I need to fix myself or fix the situation instead of just accepting the situation more for what it is. And that caused me just a lot of anguish. You know, and it, it led me to a place where I was totally depressed because I, I was doing that so much. I had no idea what to do next. Once I realized that, oh, my gosh, like everything I've been struggling for, not only with the relationship, but the job I'm in, where I live, kind of the whole direction of my life. It's like it was all it was all a it was all a push and it was me pushing so much. And, and it was supposedly all good on paper. But then it just started to to crumble. And I started to see how none of it was actually a match for my happiness, you know. And I was like, mm. oh, my God, this this working so hard is not actually making me happy. I'm not actually happy. And then mm. I then I didn't know what to do. And I got depressed. And that was what kind of led me into my spiritual path, like hard, like a, a hard, more hardcore version of, of spirituality happened to me in that time, you know, because uh, I was always interested in it. But that really woke me up because I was super miserable and I, I was looking for ways, ways to help myself. So it sounds like that going into depression and sort of actually experiencing that led you to you sort of got out on the other side and discovered a, a whole new realm of, of spirituality yeah well it was a gradual process you know that that depression got me to reading about spirituality and trying to have a meditation practice regularly you know uh for the for the first time in my life in real with real earnesty um or earnestness I don't know if earnesty is a word. I com combine <laughs> a earnestness word. and honesty. Yeah, earnesty. You honesty. know, it's a new moon coming up. We can make up new words. It's a new creative time. Yeah. So, it kind uh, of goes back to this uh, semantics and, and things we were talking about perhaps in the beginning of the in the conversation. But I, I just want to go back a little bit to what you mentioned about this idea of sort of working hard and making a huge effort and that being the best way of going about things. Because I think it's something that a lot of people and a lot of us have sort of instilled in us from early on. Where, For you personally, where do you think those beliefs came from? That's a, that's a good question. I think they came from my, my parents, for sure. You know, where most of our beliefs come from. And, you know, I, I saw my, watched my dad work a ridiculous amount when I was uh, very little that had a big impression on me you know when I was uh, a kid he was uh, he was training to be a doctor and he was going through his residency training you know that's where they work like 36 hour shifts you know they barely get any sleep they're in you know uh, really intense situations for really long periods of time in the US and uh, I, I mean it might be different now but when he was training that's what it was like and uh, and it was just you know he was like never home and when he was home he was totally tired totally exhausted and then, uh, you know, so that was a, the first few years of my life. And then when we 
moved uh we moved away and he was he was commuting like like two hours one way for years just to just to go to work which a lot of people do a lot of people have these huge commutes i used to see it all the time when i lived in atlanta in the u.s you know people were had these huge drives every morning and it was and so that's just one message that's coming up now that helped me absorb this idea that like you know you had to put a lot of effort in to make things work and um you know i think you know my parents were always putting a lot of effort into their relationship even when, when things were difficult they were like you know they were like add energy you know they would push more and then uh i probably learned as a kid even in simple things like you know sports like what are the messages we get from sports you know the messages we get from sports are like you know we need to you no matter what you just dig in you just grind it out you just push harder you just train harder you go harder you know this is just so much there's so much in our society go harder it's all you know it's struggle it's all worth it in the end you know like it's that that one victory you know you win the championship game and that's what's worth it you know all the struggle that's what's worth it you know there's just this message everywhere that the ending is what's worth it that's why Mm. we struggle we we come up with this we have this idea in our minds that that it's the ending that makes it worth it you know and if and it it can suck the whole time but the ending makes it worth it and And yes sorry go ahead if it's not the ending that's worth it what is it that's worth it in your experience (laughs) well i don't i don't think the ending can be worth it because you know i don't i don't i don't think it makes sense you know you have years of struggle and then you get something that you've been struggling for how long does that last that good feeling right like most people they spend years working maybe they want to get a certain job or a certain salary number how long does does that sense of security and safety and happiness when you get that thing last you know, mm. maybe three months, you know, how, how about like, how about that relationship that you've been looking for? Right. And you do all this work to make yourself look a certain way, you know, and you do all this work to like get better at talking to other people and being more social. You do all this work to like go to certain events and, you know, and you're swiping right on Tinder a million times a day. Right. Mm. And then you get that relationship. Oh, is that make you happy? Do you now feel like your source of love is, is, met and fulfilled completely in the world yeah maybe for a couple months and then until that person texts uh their ex-boyfriend or you know whatever and then you're all of a sudden you feel so threatened all that peace disappeared you know and what's so what's going on it's not sustainable working for the ending working for the end outcome is just setting ourselves up for these these uh like these small spikes of of achievement these small spikes spikes of like uh, good feelings that we get just like eating a chocolate bar eating an ice cream you know there's a small spike of achievement small spike of something and then it goes back down and then Mm. are we renormalize and then all and we feel sometimes even more empty or or like there are lots of stories of rich people who you know they they get to their number like uh you know i just want to make a million in revenue they get there they work really, really hard and they get there. Then they're at a million and they look around their lifestyle and they're, and they're like, oh my gosh, I have, I have so much more I could lose now. I can't, you know, I need, this isn't going to be, you know, I have to ma- maintain a certain level now. I have all these investments and I have this and that. I, I need, you know what? 10 million. I'll be secure at 10 million, you know? Then they push mm. and they get to 10 million and then the same thing happens. It's not enough. You know, you, there's just a story after story like that. You know, when I was in, uh, I was reading this book 
called Love Your Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. You know, and it's a really cool little book by a, a venture capitalist from Silicon Valley. You know, this was a pure businessman who was totally sick and depressed and just went on an exploration to try to figure out what was going on in, in his life. And he, you know, he basically decided that he was just pushing himself with insane struggle because he didn't think ever think he was good enough. He never thought anything was enough. And he realized his only way out was to was not to get more that would never be enough. But it was to change his relationship with himself and stop seeking everything outside himself. So he he wrote, you know, he ended up on this uh interesting journey and wrote this book but i saw him being interviewed once and mm. uh he said you know some the interviewer asked him all these people in silicon valley you know all these millionaires all these billionaires you know how many of them are genuinely happy and he just thought for a second you know and he said i think one you know <laughs> and i don't even think he was talking about him but out of all his friends you know all these people he knew so what are we struggling for what are we fighting for you know, we get these, we get these names, we get these numbers, we get these, you know, these medals, we get these merit badges for what, for what, like, is, is any of it actually leading to sustainable, authentic happiness? So your the question mm. is, you know, instead of the end re- result, you know, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that path of sustainable happiness where there's that bubbly joy every day, if possible, you know, where there's mm. that sense that I'm here in the world for a reason where I believe in my life and I believe mm-hmm. in myself and I'm not fighting. I'm actually enjoying myself through life. I'm enjoying mm-hmm. my way through life. You know, that's so, that's what I want to do. So this is really interesting. And I'm curious So you described your uh, sort of crisis that you had uh, when your relationship broke down in your mid-20s and, you know, getting into depression. So once you started reading and and discovered sort of a, a new way of looking at things, what shifted in your way of approaching things? How did things become different for you? Oh, well, at first, at first, I just, by the way, you know, that was, a, that was some time ago. I mean, mm-hmm. that was like, I don't know, mm. Oh, I mean, it was 12, 13, 15 years ago we're talking yeah. about, right? So, I mean, in that time, I have explored many different avenues. And the first thing that happened was just my realization of how much more energy and how much uh, more thinking or attention I could give to what was going on inside of me instead of everything outside of me, you know? And actually realizing that what's going on outside of me is really a perception that I have and that perception is being formed inside of me. So mm-hmm. if I want to feel differently about things, I need to go inside of me and not, not, not try to control things outside of me. I have to go inside of me. If I want to find more energy for the things I love, if I want to even figure out what I love, if I want to, if I want to move toward what I want, if I want to have less emotional pain, if I want to access more of my real self, be more comfortable in myself, if I want to feel like I'm more powerful, all those things come from inside me if they're going to be mm-hmm. sustainable, not from outside, you know, because everything outside is just totally temporary and like dust in the wind that can change at any time. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do we connect with something that is like that is a bit more that feels a bit more stable, that's a bit more rooted, that's a bit more centered, that's a, a bit more safe? Well, that, that's only found inside. 
that was kind of the first shift moving from all the external thinking to more inside. But I will tell you that that took years, years for me to feel like I actually made that shift. Mm. Wow. And because um, I think it's an interesting topic for those who are listening, that transition and the change and the shift. And just to kind of touch base on if you were to describe the David before that shift, how would you describe him looking from where you are now? <laughs> That's a good question. I think one of the one way I would describe him is he was extremely analytical. He was constantly using his brain to try to understand every problem and come up with solutions to fix every problem. So he was using logic all the time to analyze, you know, make pros and cons lists, to break things down, to analyze other people. Well, what are their motivations? How will they react to this thing? What if I say this sentence this way? How will they react? What if I uh, present something this way? What if I present myself this way? You know, how can I get this? How can I get that? And it was just this constant stream of, of thoughts that were just all analysis and logic, trying to figure out everything in life from a very mental and intellectual standpoint, you know, um, in information, well, I just, it was a constant attempt to absorb more information, constantly churning in my mind about conversations that happened or would happen, you know, uh, people's reactions, uh, either real or anticipated and making decisions was almost impossible. Making decisions required gathering information from every single angle, figuring out all the different options, doing so much research, pros and cons list, you know, like borderline mathematical calculations to figure out what was the right decision. I was just living completely in my head, you know, mm. and I, I see this actually many, many intelligent people out there uh, have this actually is a trap because our society to some extent rewards this type of thinking, especially when we're kids, especially in school we're rewarding for all our intellectual ability. And then we learn and we think that that is how we need to move through life. And that was one of that, one of those big realization, the big realization that I had when during that depression time was, you know, one of the things that made me depressed was realizing that my brain had no idea how to make me happy. I was doing all this thinking and that's part of the struggle that I'm talking about is all the thinking, all this thinking all the time, trying to figure out everything, analyzing everything, logically moving through everything. And, and, and I cannot answer the question, what makes me happy? I cannot answer the question, how do I get my life to be, to work? How do I get my life to be happy for me? You know? Mm. And when I realized that I was like, oh my God, my brain doesn't have the answer. Like, like boom, crash. Just my whole world came tumbling down. I had no idea what to do next. You know, it was depressing. Mm. That's so interesting. And, and how much flow was there in your life back then, would you say? Flow. There was no, there was no flow. Well, I, w I wouldn't say no flow because there's always some flow. There's always, we can't cut ourselves off entirely from our own flow. We can just really, really inhibit it and restrict it. And I would say that mine was pretty inhibited and restricted. I mean, like good things happened to me. You know, I mean, there were moments of where I was having great fun you know, I went on, I traveled to cool places. I mean, there were a lot of good things that mm -hmm. happened to me. And I was not, I was very far from living my authentic way. You know, I was, mm. I was like finding these moments of, to enjoy myself in my life. But day to day, I wasn't doing the work 
that felt like flow. I wasn't living in the way that felt like flow. I wasn't uh, being the kind of person in the world, in my relationships that felt like flow. Everything was a calculation. Everything was, you know, trying to get certain outcomes. Everything was trying to get myself seen in a certain way. You know, everything was trying to manage all these relationships and, and outcomes and experiences instead of just being in them. Mm, great. And I'm curious, what does flow the word mean to you? Flow is like, a sense of being in a gentle river and it's extremely pleasant and the, you're being moved slightly by something around you and and also you're moving yourself and in just sort of perfect harmony with that movement that's happening around you and it feels relaxing and it feels rejuvenating as opposed to energy draining. And it feels like something is working with you rather than you working against something. And it's like a, it's a, it's a state. It's both a, a mental state and sort of also a physical state. You know, you can, you can, the traditional definition of flow, you know, you can click into this mental state where you lose track of time. That's a very common description and you're you're kind of in this creative zone where you could be doing something for s several hours and kind of forget that you've been there that long and it just feels good to continue doing that a lot of video games put people in that state because they have this constant feedback and constant challenge a completable challenge you know that's that's available so it's there's an aspect of that where you kind of lose track of time but even it can be just a tiny moment you know, and you're not thinking about time. It's just, it's just a moment that you're not thinking about time. You're just thinking about what am I doing right now? So you're really present in it because you just feel the, the connection to it and the energy of it in the moment. That's what it means to me. Uh, that's so interesting. And I love also kind of looking at the different definitions that people might have of a word like flow, because it's almost as if there's a, there's a micro aspect to it to a macro aspect to it so we oftentimes we talk about the almost like task-based flow when you sort of become one with what you're doing um which is there's a there's a book out there called flow by mihaili shisken miyali <laughs> yeah don't like don't hold the pronunciation against me <laughs> it's a tricky uh for me um uh, last name to pronounce but there's also the the type of flow that people sometimes think about in terms of the bigger picture in life you know things flowing in your life so how do you view those as how are they similar and how are they different to you yeah yeah I, th I think they they are kind of there's it's just a as you said you know it's, it's a local and a, it's a local version of something bigger that's happening, you know, when you're in the moment, really present with a task. That's, that's a local version of some intelligence at work, you know, and when we're looking at the bigger picture of life 
and things just seeming to click in our life. You know, you maybe have a week where the exact person that you contacted you with, a, you know, a suggestion that helped you perfectly with this project that you were working on, you know, or you were, you realized you needed some, something. And then, you know, two days later, it somehow showed up in your life, you know, or you decide to, oh, you know, I'm going to try out, you know, doing this coaching thing. This happened to a client of mine that I was working with, you know, he, he was thinking he wanted to be a coach. And so he just decided, okay, I'm going to put energy toward that. And then later, literally, I think the next day he, he was, he talked to someone in the line at a cafe and told them they were, he was into coaching. And that person was like, Oh, I've been looking for a coach. I've been trying to get into that. Like, let's have an introductory, let's have a meeting, you know? And that kind of thing happened to him a couple of times right after he decided that he was going to put energy toward uh, being a coach. And so, you know, that's an example of, of life flow for him. Things just showing up seemingly in perfect timing, you seemingly in perfect accordance with what you're trying to do. And so, you know, that, that's a, that's a big version of the local version. One of the things that's coming for me right now to mention is, is like that story is life flowing with this guy's desires, you know, and what I think a lot of people get frustrated because they don't feel like they're experiencing that most of the time. And there's another way to look at that, which is that he was actually flowing with life. Mm. You know, and there, so that, yeah. So who's flowing with who, where's the flow coming from? I mean, this is a question we could talk about for a long time, but I believe that there's, there is a higher intelligence at work in life. Life is an intelligent thing. It's, we are in a field of intelligent information. That's what exists. You know, physics has this zero point field idea from quantum physics. We know everything is one connected field of energy, everything, and everything is made of this energy. And it's all just different forms, taking different physical forms, but underneath everything is just is energy that's connected. So, you know, there's an and there's an intelligence there in built into that. And that intelligence and how, how much we try to connect with that intelligence, I think in a lot of ways defines whether we experience flow or not. Mm, I, I love that. And I'm just curious, can you can you remember when that first became sort of clear to you or you, you had a strong sense of that higher intelligence? Huh. Well, I mean, there, there are so many serendipities that have happened in my life. It's too many to count, you know, at this point. I mean, so many times it just seemed like the perfect thing showed up at the perfect time often when I least expected it, you know, often it would come after a period of feeling difficult, feeling like things were difficult and actually going in and processing those emotions coming out the other side. And then all of a sudden things seem to be going really well, you know, and uh, like this is uh, something that's happened to me right now. It, you know, I'm, I'm hosting a retreat this coming weekend and it's actually the first retreat that I'm hosting and it's about connecting with your deeper self and connecting with your future and making the transition in this uh in this time of transition that we find ourselves in and you know, this um, working on it with a few collaborators and we put it together extremely last minute, but everything can clicked perfectly. 
I mean, the first the first retreat center we called, they had one weekend available. It was one of the weekends we wanted to do it, which happens to be one of the, uh, the one of the birthdays of one of the organizers that she was going to be in that area of the country anyway. And um, and it's the only weekend available and that this retreat center has available for the entire year of 2019. And then we started, you know, I had a I had a website. I had all this energy to create the website in you know, about 24 hours, I created it that would describe what we were doing in this retreat. And all the ideas for what we were doing just came to me as I was working on the website. And and then my organizers, the collaborators, when they saw the website, they were like, oh, yeah, I wanted to do that, too. I wanted to do that, too. It was great. Boom. It's up. You know, we started to we started to share it and we were so excited about it. And then we realized, oh, wait, what have we done? We just booked a retreat center. We just are going on this new venture we've never tried before we just committed ourselves to something that feels huge and uncomfortable for us are people going to come what's going to happen and we started to get like we started to face our limits you know we started to face our emotional triggers related to this part of the situation and and so we were in flow we just let the flow happen and created this whole thing and so and then we then we faced some emotions we were having about it and diving into those emotions i had to look at you know my relationship with people whether they would see my work as valuable or not my relationship to money my relationship to believing i could create what i really set out to creating you know all these all these beliefs inside of me that are actually blocking my connection to the intelligence of life blocking my connection to the deeper intelligence inside myself when you take a step like this in your life it will show you life will show you where you're holding yourself back you know in the form of these emotional pain so I had to look at that and, and dealt with that. And I spent just last week, you know, a few days last week, several days last week, you know, in, in big moments of feeling my fear, feeling my anxiety about this and not trying to push it away, not trying to ignore it, not trying to um, explain it away, you know, not trying to just fix it by like emailing a bunch of random people. I didn't do that. You know, I sat with it and I felt it felt my way through because I want to grow through the experience. And that's how I grow the fastest. You know, that's how I let these walls down. That lets me get into more flow. And I was helping my collaborators do this as well. We were all kind of letting this happen last week. And then this week, all of a sudden, we're in total flow again. All of a sudden, people are buying tickets. All of a sudden, people are asking us about it. You know, I talked to two people today out of the kind of out of the blue about whether they were going to come. They were both immediately saying yes. All of a sudden, everything is clicking. You know, so and, can I, yeah. Can I just uh, jump in there to kind of ask because I'm, I'm I'm really curious and I think it's interesting for the listeners too. So, what are your ways of sort of knowing that there is flow happening right now? Like, what are some of the signs or things that kind of confirm? what's happening to you yeah i have i have energy that seems to come from nowhere and to work on something or to put it towards something and that's one of the signs for me and it feels effortless so this is this is a big you know mistake a lot of people make when they think about sort of surrender right surrendering to your higher self or to life or whatever they think that that means being passive it doesn't it just means letting happen through you what is wanting to move through you. And that can be, bring a lot of energy. That can bring a lot of activity. You know, and, and that is what happened for me. I've had a lot of activity about this retreat. You know, and as soon as we had the idea, we were all of a sudden making it happen. There was very little questioning. 
you know, there was very little doubting in the beginning. The energy was just fl- coming through and then it got created. Oh, and now the mind catches up, you know, now the mind catches up and is like, oh, wait, I need, I should doubt this. We have so many doubts about this, you know. So one of the signs is, is it just an, is an effortless energy. It's an effortlessness. And I'm not thinking about the, the doubts and the problems. I'm just moving, think, moving something. I'm just mm. working on something. And and it, and here's a huge here's a huge piece of it that actually gets back to our question about what are we looking for instead of the end results a huge piece of being in flow is that you're enjoying the process itself regardless of the end result i've had so much fun planning this retreat with my collaborators i've had so much fun describing it you know making this the website making jokes about it you know thinking about the types of meditations and exercises we're going to bring people through thinking about how to make this a really amazing spiritual experience for people like that has just totally energized me and i and the way i spent my time in the process i loved it you know so now the outcome whatever happens you know people come people don't come or you know a lot of people come or a few people come it's it, the the outcome is is weighs less heavily on me because I've enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I've enjoyed the whole process up to this point. Mm-hmm. Even going through some of my emotional triggers about it, I enjoyed because I saw ways that I was resisting life and resisting the world and holding myself back. I, I literally let go of some emotional pain that now I don't have in my life. I mean, like that is that's amazing. Even if nothing else happens, even if if some if this retreat all of a sudden doesn't happen. I've still been through a process that has grown me, that has made me feel more powerful. So I think that's a huge, one of the huge signs of flow is that you're in the process itself, you know, of whatever you're working on, you love it. Mm, Great. So it sounds like the process and energy is really important. And I'm also curious because you mentioned sort of the synchronicities and the sort of serendipity that showed up uh, in the line at Starbucks with with your client who wanted to do coaching and then a potential client shows up. So talk to me a little bit about how that works for you. The serendipities? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it'll... I tend to see... I mean, I believe that I'm, cr- I'm creating everything in my experience. That's what I believe. I believe, I believe life is a reflection and pretty much everything that happens to me is is a like a either a reflection or like a message or of some kind there's some type of experience that on some level uh, for some reason I want to go through and uh and so I see serendipities everywhere you know like I'll be I'll for example you know really recently in my life the the little prince this book you know the book the little prince has mm-hmm. just shown up to me in just everywhere i'm at my friend's house they serve me tea and it's in a little prince mug i walk past a bookstore they have a whole new set of posters about the little prince you know someone was talking to me the other day and uh i made some comment and they were like hey that reminds me of the little prince like literally in a really short span of time some thing gets mentioned to me uh, or shows up in my life uh repeatedly and for me, you know, that's that's an opportunity for me to just, you know, I, I think it's an opportunity for me to understand uh, life as a symbol and look into that, you know. So I was looking into the themes of The Little Prince today, you know, and uh, and 
I was one of the coolest lines in the little prince is something like you know you the things that are most important in life can't be seen with the eyes they can only be seen with the heart mm-hmm. you know and i feel like i feel like that is almost a perfect summary of what i want this retreat to be about you know and there were a couple other things in the book like the this fox is talking to the little, to the little prince about how you know what makes something valuable to you is how much time you put in to it how much kind of care you give to it you know that's what makes it valuable to you and so it's just another small reframe about how you know our power is inside us you know the things we choose to put care on are the things that can are going to bring us the meaning we don't have to Mm. like wait for meaning to come from outside of us we don't have to get meaning outside of us we can just choose to put care places so that was another little tip for how I can use my energy as we approach this retreat. You know, what do I really care about? Let me put my energy there. I don't have to worry about making some perfect experience. Let me just find my own meaning in in the pieces that I want to put care toward. So, so you know, I mean, another person might say, total coincidence, you know what I mean? And yet anybody could read The Little Prince and get some insights from it because it's a fantastic book. Yeah, great, cool. Like, that's I totally agree with that. And also... I see this as me giving myself a message and I'm taking the opportunity to look at that message. And now I feel, I feel a little bit differently. I'm going to use my energy a little bit differently in this coming week. So that's just one example of how serendipity will show up. But there are so many of just people mentioning things to you. You know, you're thinking about something, trying to figure something out and someone gives you the solution, you know, or, uh, or as I said, you're missing something like you think you need something in your life and someone just hands you it. They don't need theirs anymore. They just hand, hand it to you. Those kind of things mm. have happened to me all the time. It's interesting as well, because I love the little prince example that you just gave. And I'm thinking, you know, you have to be present when that happens and in order to notice. Right. Yeah, I think if if you start looking for these things in your life, you'll all of a sudden start to see lots of them. I really believe that life is communicating with you all the time because it's not like it's separate from you. We're all one. It's all one thing. You are life. Life is you. You know, we have this sensory input, our vision and our sense of touch and our hearing and things. We have this biological elements that make us think we're separate from everything around us, but that's impossible. That's impossible. Everything is intimately interconnected at every single level. So when you start interacting with life in a certain way, you will see that coming back to you from life. It can't help but respond to you. Mm. That's, that's so wonderful. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking for someone who might be listening to this, for whom this is all kind of new, and who may have grown up with the idea that hard work is the the one and the only way that things can be done, what would you say is a good starting point to start doing things differently or start noticing? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I, I think the good starting point is to is to stop trying to work for an end result or an end outcome that is some far place in the future because all you're doing is delaying your happiness and delaying your joy and de- delaying your life to the future. I mean, what if you die before you get there? You know, what if you're doing all this work and you die? I've, I've known that to happen to people. I have a friend who, um, her parents 
say never took extravagant vacations even though that they were you know pretty well off financially they, they never took extravagant vacations because they were saving up for retirement and they wanted to uh they wanted to be very frugal and streamlined and then after they retire that's when they'll you know and when the kids are all taken care of the kids are doing their own thing that's when they'll go live their their life and actually enjoy themselves and you know and then her dad died before he was able to retire you know this is one mm-hmm. one example and uh, of how that delaying that delaying things to delaying your happiness to the future is a sacrifice we don't have to make and the way we can change that and still build things in the future is just enjoy the process of the building not the end outcome find the process of the building that feels good to you so that you can enjoy it right now as you're working on it you don't have to work in a way that sucks for 10 years even five years to get to some outcome that's going to give you a short-lived hit of happiness you know i mean look first of all nothing is going to work for everybody all right so so some people are going to listen to this and and maybe they'll be like that's that's stupid that's not my path that's fine take your own path we have just seen story after story so many people out there working for some end outcome and it never shows up the way they think it is going to be and it, and when it does show up it doesn't feel like they thought it was going to be when it does show up it turns out it's something that they didn't realize it was you know and instead you know, you, you can't control those end outcomes. There are so many factors that go into those end, end outcomes, so much outside of our control, you know, but, but what is much more within our ability to influence it is the process that we're living right now. So shift your attention there. What's the process you're willing to do every day for the thing you want to work on? You know, that's gonna, that actually feels good to you doing it. If you want to be a writer, what act of writing actually feels good so you enjoy the process and yeah you're gonna have crappy days you're gonna have crappy days that's inevitable you know you're gonna have some days where it doesn't feel good but what's the process of you spending your time that you're willing to do it and commit to it even though there's going to be those crappy elements you know this is a this is a tip that I think, you know, I mean, several teachers have talked about it, but I think Mark Manson is pretty well known for having this idea. And there's another spiritual teacher I really love called Teal Swan that has this idea in one of her videos. But it's the idea that, that you can sometimes, sometimes stumble on your joy, stumble on your passion by thinking about what would I do? What would I be willing to do even though it has sucky parts? Like what would I be willing to do that even if I had to face all the sucky parts of it, I would still do it? You know, mm. like, would you would you be a writer as just an example? You know, would you be a writer even though people are going to reject your work, even though some days you're not going to be able to write anything, even though some days you're going to think your work is crap, even though some days you're not going to have any ideas, even though some days you're you're going to be like, is anyone ever going to read this? Is this ever going to is ever going to happen? Are you willing to commit to writing and call yourself a writer, even though all that stuff is going to happen to you? And if your answer is yes, then, oh, shit, you found something you can you really can, can, you know, find your flow in. You know, if you're if you can if you can like go if you can go through those sucky times and like what's and and you can feel like you can handle those. What's going to carry you through that? You know, it's going to be this natural enthusiasm, this natural excitement, this natural flow that's moving through you that can help make those difficult things not so bad for you. Whereas someone else who doesn't have the flow for writing, but maybe has a flow for making videos, they go try to do the same writing practice that you have 
And those sucky things are going to derail them. Those sucky things are going to feel so heavy. They're not going to have the, the flow that helps them move through it and helps their regular process and practice seem effortless. So find the process that feels mm. more effortless to you. Find the process that feels more joyous to you. And that I feel like will carry you to actually where you want to end up. So if so, say I'm in a job that I hate, maybe I work nine to five, Monday to Friday, and I've been in the same job for a number of years. And all I know is that I'm really not in flow. I'm not happy there, but I don't really know the way forward. I just know that I'm really desperate for a change or I really want that change. I'm ready for it. What would you suggest that I do to sort of start tapping into my flow or, or, or finding it? Yeah, good question. If you're in a really crappy situation and it's, it's like, where is, where is my joy? How can I move from this to my joy? This, going from this to my joy seems like a huge gap. Well, uh, this is another tip I got from Teal Swan, which, I, which has really worked for me in my life, I think is really good, is if you can't find your joy from where you are, you don't feel like you can act on it, look for relief. So the first thing I would do if I was in that situation is, what are the ways that I can just make this slightly more comfortable for myself? You know, maybe it's caring a little bit less of what happens on my job. Maybe it's seeing if I can just work a little bit less in my, in my hours. Maybe I can take a little bit longer lunches. Maybe I can, um, you know, maybe I can try to find more time on some projects in this place that make me feel a little bit better. Maybe I, maybe I can spend a little bit more time during the day with coworkers that make me feel a little bit better. Like what are just the simple things that bring me some relief? You know, maybe I can wake up a little bit earlier and, and just do something for myself as the first part of my day. And maybe that just makes my day feel better. You know, maybe I can, maybe I can, maybe I've, you know, I've neglected painting for a really long time you know, but I like painting. Maybe I'll just, you know, see if I can give myself 10 minutes a day to just paint because that feels like relief. You know, just look for the things that feel relief, like relief, even though you have no idea how they might lead to a next step, even though they're not necessarily connected to you making a transition. Find the relief first, because when you're in, when you're in a sense, uh, a sense in your body of tension, constraint, when you're feeling crappy in your body, your threat centers are activated. You're, you're in a more restricted flow, literally in, in your blood, inside yourself. Your parts of your blood are not being given to the most creative and open parts of your brain. Like the, the worst time to try to get ideas is when you're feeling like crap because you're in a kind of a defensive shell. You're in like survival mode. So the first thing is to just try to get a little bit space for yourself. Just try to get a little bit relief for yourself to make it a little bit easier to be in the situation that you're in. It's kind of like when you're sick, you know, when you're sick and you, you have the flu or a cold or something, like you're not trying to, it doesn't help if you just try to like, I am not sick, I refuse to be sick, I'm gonna change the sickness right now, like no. Like instead, just give, just give yourself some rest, give yourself, mm -hmm. do whatever feels like relief, like go lie down, you know, like get, help yourself get through the day in a way that just gives you relief and getting through the day and you'll find you'll actually, you know, make yourself feel faster and, and it won't be so bad. So this is what you do. You look for relief first. And in, in those little, in that space of a little bit more relief, you start to experiment. You have to experiment, especially if you've been disconnected with yourself from yourself for a long time. 
you know, where you find mm. yourself in a situation that really isn't a fit for you anymore, or mm. maybe it was never a fit for you. You need to experiment and figure out, okay, what does feel good to me? You know, because maybe, maybe you've lost that. And if you've lost the connection to it, you certainly haven't practiced it in a long time. That's why you're in the situation you're in. So, you know, find that relief. And then you got to start to experiment a little bit. What feels good to me? What feels good to me? What feels good to me? And you just step by step, walk yourself back toward the ways that you spend your energy, that it just feels effortless, that it just feels natural, that it just feels like joy, that it just feels like something is supporting you that it just feels like flow is happening. Even if it's just brief moments, you know, you'll get those and that'll show you you're onto something, you know? And mm -hmm. it's not like you need to find your purpose for the whole rest of your life. You know, no one, no one knows what that is. You know, very few people have just one purpose for their whole lives. You know, it's more like what gets me back into flow from where I am right now. And it could be very different from what feels like flow to you two years from now. So you don't have to solve your flow issue for your whole life. You just need to figure out what feels like relief and what feels like flow to me right now. Because that sense is going to walk you step by step out of your current situation into a new one. Mm. I, I love that. So it's about creating relief and sort of creating the space for flow to be able to come in. And I'm also wondering, so there might be someone listening who's like, I know what gives me flow and I know what my source of joy is, but I'm too scared to approach it or take a step or actually make it a bigger part of my life than it already is because I have bills to pay and commitments and responsibilities. What might be something to try for someone in that situation? Yeah. If you know what you want to do or you think you know what you want to do, but you just keep finding yourself not doing it, you need to work with the emotions that are behind that not doing it. So if you're afraid to do something or you procrastinating on something that you always think you want to do, you need to go, go into those emotions and look at those emotions. What is the fear really about? What is my procrastination is really about? Maybe you don't actually want to do that thing. You just think you do. Or maybe you know you have some fear that just needs to move through you and you need to accept it integrate it and then you'll find you have different actions that are available to you when you get on the other side of that fear a lot of people don't realize that the things we're afraid of the things we're afraid of change you know over our whole life you know and if we find ourselves afraid of something there's so much we can do to have that shift we just have to pay attention to the fear and go into the fear instead of avoiding the fear that, you know, emotions heal by going into them. Emotions heal by accepting them. Emotions heal by feeling them, you know, not by trying to fix them or avoid them. So mm -hmm. this is, you know, this clue is a clue to you. If you feel afraid to move forward in something that you've always dreamed about, it's a clue to you that you have some uh, emo emotional kind of like mm, blocks or emotional just tension. You know, you have something inside of you. Your subconscious is telling you, following that joy is not safe you know your subconscious created that idea for a reason something you know some experience you had created that rule inside yourself you know so you just need to go and get re get in touch again with that part of you that created that rule that part of you that's scared that part of you that doesn't feel safe or doesn't feel okay pursuing that thing that's the first step and then once you do that you'll find that you have less fear pursuing that thing and then you can take really small steps toward that thing. 
whatever feels okay. Really small steps toward that thing. And you don't have to, you don't have to worry about where it's going or the outcome. You just need to figure out your very next small step that you want to take toward that thing. A lot of people get derailed by uh, in their plans because they, they plan too far ahead. You know, they, they realize that there's a big gap between where they are now and where they want to be. And so they, they're shooting for something that is across this big gap. And when you're shooting for something across a huge gap, what, that gives your brain so much opportunity to just put fear and uncertainty there because you cannot predict the future. You can't see what's, you know, more than like two feet in front of your face. So if you're shooting for a target that is really far away from you, from where you are right now, your brain just is going to fill in everything between now and then with all kinds of worst case scenarios and all kinds of fear because your, your brain, that's how your brain tries to save you from things, from danger. You know, almost all change is bad, is scary for the brain because the brain would prefer you to, to, because you're alive right now, your brain would prefer you to stay in the place that you're alive, right? Rather mm-hmm. than try something new, which could it mean, which is uncertainty, which means there could be something there that will kill you or reject you or make you feel crappy, right? So your brain will fill in your uncertainty with worst mm-hmm. case scenarios most of the time. So to, to reduce your uncertainty, just find the next smallest thing you can do in the direction of what you think feels good. That's all you have to figure out. The next simplest, smallest next action. Mm, I love that. And I'm also just brings to mind because we had a really great conversation a while back ago. And you said this sentence that has really stuck with me uh, since then, which is swim against the flow at your own peril. Can you say a bit more about that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> great i was using scare tactics uh, <laughs> oops no the the idea is that there is a current there is a current and a flow in your life and we all are swimming against it at some point in our lives we have the experience of swimming against it and you know by at your own peril what i mean is you're setting yourself up for just a lot of struggle and hardship you know you're setting yourself up for a lot of clinging to things that you don't need to cling to you're setting yourself up for a lot of expectations and judgments that you have that will not show up and not be met because the flow of life is going in a different direction. And then those expectations and judgments are not met, you know, and your brain will rebel and it'll say how horrible things are. And, you know, you'll writhe and scream and have a lot of emotional pain. And that's because you are going against the current of your life. This is a very common scenario when, when people get fired from their jobs you know, they get fired from their job and, and it's like the worst thing ever. They feel like they're ruined. Their career is over. They feel like um, who's going to hire them again? What a blot on their resume. How that much did they mess up? You know, now what are they going to do for money? You know what I mean? There are all these, these in this sense of rejection and fear that come when we get fired. And that's totally understandable. And then you talk to these people again six months later and they're like, oh my God, getting fired was the best thing that ever happened to me. I have the best job now. I'm so much happier at this new place. You know. So like uh, this is kind of if, if you were to look at that person's life, my guess would be they were feeling there was a lot of signs that that job wasn't in flow to them with them. Right. And they were just for some reason not making a change. And then their life made a change for them. And, you know, sometime later they realized it was it was good. But in the middle of it, you know, because they were going against the current and they were fixated in that direction, it felt really, really bad. This is, I'm sure mm. everyone listening, I'm sure you, Rebecca, have had a moment in your life where 
you know, something happened to you that you thought was terrible. And then sometime later you realized, oh, you know what? I'm kind of glad that was happened. I see a lot of gifts I received from that. I see a lot of mm. ways that that helped me actually grow and actually led me towards something I wouldn't have maybe done otherwise, you know, that actually I'm really glad I'm doing, you know, I mean, mm. everyone has that type of experience. So what's going on in those experiences? You know, those experiences are us going against the current, ending up with a lot of hardship and seeing like seeming like some catastrophe has, has happened. Some catastrophe has happened only to realize, you know, life's current was moving. And and later we realize how good that current actually was. Mm, I love that. And it kind of speaks to that flow uh the, the the quote unquote bad things that happen to us are also related to the flow and sort of indicators of where we should be looking and what we should be perhaps doing and not doing. So it's that concept of everything that happens is a is a teaching moment, which which I've always loved and sort of um, it's so helpful to view things from that perspective. But I'm also curious. In wait, terms Rebecca. Of- wait. I want to just you know on that topic. I want to just mention like. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are some pretty heinous things that happen to people, you know, and I'm not I'm not trying to say like, oh, you know, like whatever happens to you, just realize you're not in the flow. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I'm not trying to use this as a way to explain every experience in life. I'm just talking about, you know, those of us in in the world that are that are trying to live in more alignment with ourselves that have the opportunity, you know, that have the the opportunity and the impulse to find ways to live in more alignment with ourselves. You know, these, we, we, we can see the things that are happening to us in a different way. We can see them as a flow of life that maybe they're happening for us. And again, that doesn't have to apply to every, every heinous experience people have. I'm not trying to say that, you know, everyone needs to have their own understanding of their own life. But I've just seen time and time again where that kind of reframe is actually closer to the truth than the initial feeling someone had that what happened to them was terrible. You know, and, and there are lots of stories of people experiencing really, really difficult things and later in their life realizing that, you know, this was something that that changed their life for the for the better. You know, so mm. we can find those stories everywhere. And at the same time, I'm not trying to trying to tell anybody they need to feel differently about the things that happen to them. I'm not. You know, you mm. don't need to feel differently. You don't you don't need to change the way you feel about anything. Whatever your emotions are about what, what's happened to you are completely valid. If you feel totally in anger or totally violated or totally, you know, hatred for something that's happened to you, that's okay. That's a valid emotion that's happening inside you for a reason. It's okay to feel that. You know, it's okay to feel that. And I'm sure also other things in your life, you know, have happened to you that you thought were bad at first and they turned out to be good. So I'm just saying when we, when we have the chance to see that opportunity, it's there for us in, in certain things in our life. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's an important point to make. Obviously at different stages of our lives and different times, we will be, um, the concept of flow can can show up in very many different ways and that we're never in the wrong in terms of what's how we're experiencing that's a great way to put it whatever you're feeling you're never in the wrong your feelings are not wrong Mm. you get to decide how you want to act on those feelings you get to decide how you want to express those feelings 
you know, that's the choice you have. You get to, you get to choose how you want to use your emotions, but your emotions happen like a reflex, you know, and they happen inside of you before you can control them. I don't coach people into controlling their emotions. I coach people into letting their emotions happen and feeling all their emotions fully. And at the same time, choosing whether they're going to act from them or express them or not. Those are two different things. Accepting and feeling your emotions does not mean you need to act on them. It's a big, you know, misconception a lot of people have. So mm. we, your, your emotions are not your fault. You didn't invent anger. You didn't invent pain in the universe. You didn't invent hurt. You didn't, you didn't invent sadness or fear. They're not your fault. You're innocent in, in how emotions happen and the way emotions happen. And you don't have to control them. You don't have to repress them. That just leads to more pain. Whatever your emotions actually are, you're not wrong. I like the way you said that. Mm, great. Thank you for also clarifying that. And just to go back to the to the sort of concept of flow and, and becoming one with what you're doing, can you give some examples of when you personally experience flow? It can be sort of in a big way or a small way. Yeah. You know, one time kind of when I was starting to work for myself, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do at all. I had no idea how to work for myself. I, I just left, I left a corporate job. I knew I wanted to work for myself, helping people in the corporate world. I knew I wanted to coach somehow, you know, on the people side of, of work. And because that's what I cared about, cared about people. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to start at all. So, but I just held the space for that kind of desire to come through, you know, completely not knowing. And this wasn't very intentional. Okay. I didn't know a lot about flow back then. I mean, this was six years ago. I feel like I'm a completely different person now than I was even six years ago. But what I did was I just decided to let, to just, you know, trust. I just had some type of trust that what I was, that what I was being, you know, what I was feeling the impulse was inside of me was meant something for me and I should follow it, you know? And, and after a couple of weeks of just being really uncertain, you know, the, my partner at the time, she, she mentioned uh, a conversation she had with um, a, an executive coach and teacher at a business school and the business, a business school that I happened to go to. And I hadn't thought about this guy in a long time. And uh, I realized, oh, I should, this, this guy would be a great person to talk to about this thing I'm trying to do. He's kind of doing what I'm trying to do. So I just reached out to him and asked him if I could take him to lunch. And he was like, well, um, I'm pretty busy, you know, uh, I, all these days, but I, I do happen to have one thing open. Somebody canceled. Okay, great. Let me get in there in that lunch spot. And I had lunch with him. And th during the conversation, I just basically told him like, you know, you know what you do, uh, teaching executives around the world, helping uh, people, helping business be better for people, changing cultures, you know, coaching people. I, this is what, what I want to do. This is the life I want to have. And I don't know how to get there. I want to be your apprentice. Do you remember those things? Apprentices? I'll be your apprentice. Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. I'll follow you around. I'll help you. You know, and he laughed. Ha ha ha. You know, I was just going with my instinct. I had no plan for this, you know, and it just felt right at the time to tell him this and uh you know he laughed about it but then he said at the end of the conversation okay let me think about it let's see what happens well two weeks later a project comes up for him and he says to me he contacts me and he says you know 
uh, you have a marketing background and you're trying to get into coaching. And I have a I have a coaching project actually that could use some marketing influence in it. And I think this could be actually a really interesting project for you to work on with me. So let's test out working together. You can work on this project with me. And that was like, like, holy crap, what? Like that at seemingly out of nowhere, seemingly with very little effort, you know, the universe just seemed to line up, boom, boom, boom. That literally kicked off my coaching career. I mean, that person is... Uh, one of my collaborators now, he's been one of my mentors that entire six years and he, and we still do so much work together. And yeah, his name is Brandon Smith. You can go find him online. He's, he has a website called the workplace therapist. He's an amazing executive coach doing incredible work in the world. And I've been, had the super, you know, fortune to work with him, uh, from the very beginning of my co- coaching career, simply because of what seems like serendipity would just flow trying to follow trying to follow that breadcrumb of what is my next thing what feels the next good thing what's the next thing mm. that feels good to me it's just following those breadcrumbs it's like these little clues we get one at a time from our higher self about what to do next and then you follow them and you realize holy crap look how look, look how far i've come you know mm. I love that. That's so amazing. Follow the crumbs. <laughs> Such a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and most of the time we go, I mean, I didn't come up with that. I'm pretty, I think maybe one of my uh, coach friends came up with that. Like his name is Scott Frazier. He's coming to mind. But anyway, the, this idea is very different from how we are learned to do things, right? We're learned to do things the opposite way. Like come up with a target, come up with a goal, plan your whole thing out. You got to have a vision mm-hmm. to know exactly where you're going, you know? You gotta have it. You gotta have a, a clear vision of some type of something in the physical world, some clear vision of your circumstances to know exactly where you're going. Maybe that works for some people. I think it does work for some people because some people continue to use that advice. But that has never worked for me, okay? Because that process doesn't account for me enjoying myself right now, okay? And so, what works much better for me is what feels good right what right now. What feels like the next clue from my higher self about where to put my energy now and let me go discover where that's going to lead me. It continues to lead me into really interesting places. I mean, I have collaborations now with people that I never knew were, were even possible that I never thought would happen. You know, one of the uh, coaching companies that's doing a lot of great work in the world that you and I are both associated with is TNM coaching. That's another Mm. example of me being in the flow. I went to an event, one of the things I love doing is giving talks. So I went to an event and I just gave a talk about purpose in business. And at that talk, I met somebody who does similar work. He introduced me to someone else. And because I love talking to people on the phone and meeting new people, I, had, uh, I was open to having conversations with that person. And then that person wanted some coaching around a topic. And because I like doing that, we had, we had these coaching conversations. And he, you know, we, we developed a whole relationship. And then that person, turns out, was affiliated with this really cool coaching company. And he introduced me to the founder of the coaching company. And now I do a lot of work with that coaching company. All of that came from me doing things I liked. Mm. I love that, following the crumbs. And it kind of brings it to the topic of intuition, your gut feeling, our inner GPS system, which could probably be a whole other episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because that's another interesting topic as well. Wow, this has been so interesting. It's, It's a very, very rich topic. And 
you know, so many great insights coming from you. And, and I'm sure of so much value to, to anyone who's listening as well. And just a reminder for all of us to, to really tap into uh, what, you know, where those crumbs are, where our flow is leading and guiding us to, and that we don't necessarily need to know and have the target or the answer um, that we're allowed to follow it anyway. Uh, really, uh, just really amazing stuff. Well, that was a great summary, Rebecca, and it's great questions. You're really good at this. You know, I, I want to feel like I, I want to, I would love before we go for, you know, the audience not to just take my word for it. By the way, uh, anyone listening, don't believe anything that I say. Okay. Go try it for yourself in the real world. Go, go experience your experience is your best teacher, not me or anything anyone else can say. We live in a time now where it's time for us to to find the own our own guru that we have within us okay through our own experience and yes you can go seek out teachers and you can go learn from a lot of people and at the same time use your experience as your guide okay that being said uh yeah i think this gps system that that you ended on that's exactly what we're talking about using the feelings inside of you to guide you without knowing where they go and i love that you said that we can allow ourselves to follow that even though it's we don't know where it's going to end up so many people just don't allow themselves to follow their own good feelings simply because they don't have a picture of where it's going to end up they think that picture is important to have first and that's just that's just not true no matter what picture you have in your head it's not going to turn out like that anyway you know one of the spiritual teachers i love his name is muji in one of his uh one of his meditations that he has he has this line that says no one has ever experienced the exact future that they've imagined no one has experienced mm. the future they've imagined. So mm. stop trying to imagine it. Or if you do imagine it, just let it be a very general guideline for you that excites you so, so that you can find what actually feels good right now. That's the more important thing, the process. So I really like how you brought that, that into it. It is our internal GPS system. It's our intuition that we're listening to. You know, that is the big difference between me now and me previous David when I was in my mid twenties, probably the single biggest difference is how I make decisions and move through life. I, I hardly analyze any decision. All I'm doing is feeling what is in my heart and what my heart wants to do. I use kinesiology, which is a form of muscle, which is muscle testing to help me understand what's in my real truth and what's not in my truth when I can't get a good sense of it inside my body. You know, so this is, I am using, I use my body to move through life because my body is not not, riddled with the same biases that my thinking is you know my brain's my brain's thinking is just so filled with all the all the fears my body you know has those fears kind of stored in it but also it's much easier to feel what feels good to me through my body you know and so this is how i make decisions now this is how i get into flow now it's completely revolutionized everything about my life so it is about this internal gps and i would love the audience to hear before we go Maybe a story that you have about a time you followed that, about a time, you know, flow happened to you and that, you know, taught you something about how this works. Do you have something you can share with us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's interesting, just before I go, go on to do that, the quote that comes to mind uh, as you were speaking is Martin Luther King's, uh, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Oh, yeah. Great. Which, which I, yeah, I just love that one so much. And I think especially in times of 
perhaps a little bit more sort of hardship or when we feel uh, perhaps a bit down, that's the great one that I tend to turn to. Um, and I love sharing it with other people. Uh, but in terms of myself, absolutely. I, I love the, the concept of flow and I'm, what comes to mind are both things that in terms of, you know, brief moments that I remember where I've just experienced such a deep sense of being one with what I'm doing. Uh, there's a wonderful, uh, I think it's a Japanese Buddhist Zen monk concept called Satori that I came across quite a few years ago. And I read the definition, which I can't remember right now, but I just remember being like, I've definitely experienced that. And I think most vividly was when I was a dancer and a ballet dancer. And I spent 15 years training. And I think the luxury that comes after that many years is that you do experience those moments more frequently because you've honed your craft so much and you you know those movements in and out so that you can let go of thinking about them and you're just being them in a way and i have this moment a uh, distinct moment that i remember i think it was a rehearsal and the sun was kind of shining through the windows it was a saturday uh, and i was rehearsing on on stage in school and i just remember feeling weightless and completely effortless and it was like as if I was just completely connected. There was like a direct connection to something higher. And, you know, I'm not a religious person. Uh, I've always believed in something higher. But I remember as a dancer that moment and a few other ones where there was just no question that I wasn't in the one and I wasn't the one controlling my movements. There was something else. And I was just surrendering to that so that's the more like specific perhaps task-based uh, experience of flow that i've had i would also say i can give an example of um fairly recently i would say about uh two years ago soon now a year and a half ago i was in a situation where i was doing that hard work thing that you referred to in the beginning of our conversation where i was uh, enrolled full-time at university uh, doing a degree. I was working part-time as an employee um, and I was also freelance as a coach and I was also um, every now and then when I could fit it in I was going to auditions and castings and you know seeing if I could get acting work for fun I should add. Um, it wasn't something that I was pursuing seriously by the time I came back, I was working really, really hard. Uh, as anyone who lives in London knows, it's a massive city. You spend a lot of time uh, on public transport, usually getting from one place to another. Uh, it's very easy to, to get in a bit of a hamster wheel here because it's huge. You work really hard. There's a lot of opportunities, but there's also a lot of competition. So I think for anyone who, who has that kind of drive and, and that the the belief that working hard is is the best way to go about things it's very easy to get caught up in that and looking back i would say that i was probably very caught up in that idea that i was doing really well because i was working so hard and i was constantly stressed out yeah by the time like i that, came back sorry sorry it's like that badge of busyness you know a lot of people wear you know what i mean absolutely i was definitely a proud proud wearer of it but i came back after a summer to university uh, to do my final year 
of the degree and I was still working. I was doing all those things. And I was, I found myself in the lecture hall and we were meant to do some kind of group work. And I was sitting with this group of people and I just felt like, uh, I don't want to do this right now. Like, I really don't want to do this. Like my whole body was not screaming, but it was very, very uncomfortable. It was, I've never, I think, felt such a strong sense of, I really don't want to do this. Um, and while it wasn't an easy decision to take and make, I decided to take a study break. So I pulled the plug on it because I was doing it full time. It was eating up a lot of my time. And I also put extreme pressure on myself to do well and get good grades and everything. And what that enabled was that I was able to do more of the work that I actually enjoyed because I was never like enjoying university that much, but it was something that I wanted to do and I was learning a lot. It felt like, again, the good girl thing. Uh, so it enabled me to do more work as a coach, but also surprisingly, and what was the big game shifter was that I was available to go to a lot more auditions as an actor, which again was something that I was doing for fun. But what ended up happening is, is quite extraordinary to me when I look back because all of a sudden I started doing really well in auditions and I was starting to enjoy them a lot more and I got callbacks and pencils which is what they call it when you're sort of in consideration for a role there might be like three options left and it means that you're close to getting it then obviously only one person does get the job so you may or may not get it but to get pencil is a really good thing to get a callback is a really good thing any actor out there knows this because the competition is pretty fierce. So I ended up booking work on that. And on the first job that I got, uh, which coincidentally shot in Prague, and I remember it was in February, it was really sunny. Everyone was saying usually the weather is really bad here in February, really gray skies. It was really sunny. I booked this really fun commercial job. I met uh, the love of my life on that shoot. <laughs> I had the best time. I, I also made a really good friend um, with someone else uh, who was part of that uh, crew. I ended up booking five really good jobs that year. And the, 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 the work took me sort of all over the world. I traveled to South Africa, never been to Africa before, uh, California, Lisbon, Paris, Florida, Barcelona, New York, Sweden both for like work reasons and personal reasons. And I was experiencing such a sense of like fun and flow and ease. And it was like big things like booking jobs or meeting new people that I just seemed really aligned with to little things like, you know, I was still holding down um, my part-time job and it was would be like you know booking a job and it coinciding with my exact days off so I didn't have to like there were no clashes and obviously it got to a point where I wasn't able to do everything and when I let go of my my part-time job it got even better and now I look back and I'm not even sure how I managed to do that all of that in, in, in the same year but it was just so interesting to notice that had I not listened to myself at that point when I was at university saying like, this is not where you should be. None of that would have been possible. Like my life literally changed. And I think 
what I want to emphasize with this is that um, we're all different. Like having this kind of freelance and free life, uh, the way I see it works really well for me. I know that for someone else that might not be the, the right thing. I recently read uh, Michelle Obama's book, The Coming, and which I find really interesting because it written, it's written by someone who's so entirely different to the way I personally function. And she talks a lot about sort of education and, um, you know, values of, of, of education and, and, and which is quite, quite different, but equally, I think you can have flow in that kind of, in those kinds of choices as well. So I just want to emphasize that the way what worked for me may not be, you know, right for the next person. So I think we all have our own version, but the, the most important thing really is to, as you were saying, listening to what your body is telling you, because it will not always shout. Sometimes it's really subtle, but the more you listen, the easier it tends to get to hear it. So that's certainly been my experience. And now I can so easily tell when, when I'm in the flow and when I'm a little bit out of it, it's usually related to how positive I'm feeling or how much I allow myself time to tap into my, my sort of uh, dreamy side, my happy side, the one who doesn't worry about what's coming next. When I start getting anxious or worried, that's when I kind of shut the flow down a little bit and it tends to get a little bit weaker. So that's something I'm noticing and working with a lot at the moment is just like being really in tune and and if I get into some kind of negative mindset that I really very quickly uh, become conscious of that and, and try and get back to my my flow state of mind. So I hope that's helpful to to hear. Oh man, for, that's for super someone. helpful. A super helpful. Two beautiful stories. You know, the first one about the ballet that I loved hearing that because one of my favorite authors, sci-fi author Ray Bradbury, you know, I was he I've read his his own words about his own writing and he talks about how he didn't write any of it. He was like it came through me. It was like the experience of writing my stories was like the experience of just taking dictation from someone else. You know, mm. and and you kind of described that that something was moving you and you were surrendered to it. I think that is all of us have a chance to experience that in our lives somewhere. And it could be the simplest activity just feels like the activity is moving through us. We're not the ones doing it. It's doing us. You know, life is doing us. And that is that I think is us in connection with our higher intelligence. That's us in connection with the bigger part of our consciousness. And I, you know, I hope everybody has a chance to feel what that's like in their life because that's just an experience we can, you know, the, the more of those we have, just the more beautiful we see everything. And so it's amazing that you had that. I like also how you said you kind of set yourself up for more of that experience by honing your craft. You know, the more you kind mm. of got used to doing something, the more you're able to just be that thing. So, you know, that's just a little tip for anyone out there wanting to find something they can really dedicate themselves to. What would you be willing to dedicate yourself to? If you do, even just a little bit every day, you will all of a sudden find yourself in a place where you're much more able to be it and experience that flow. You know, what are you dedicated to? Like, it's not, not your job, you know, not what you want your job is, not what you want your life to be like. But what are you dedicated to? 
something your life can stand for, something you'd be willing to dedicate yourself to. So I like that you brought that up a lot. And the second one, so amazing. You're at university. So many people may have just listened to their mind and, and thought to themselves, no, I have to finish. I can't quit. I'm here. I spent the money. I'm, I got to see it through. I got to finish this, you know, group project. I don't want to let my group down. I don't want to let my parents down. I don't want to let my expectations down. I got to finish this thing that I started. And meanwhile, you just, you let it go and it opened up all this flow in your life because that wasn't aligned with you and something else was. And not only did you end up finding amazing work out of it, which maybe you could have maybe a little bit thought, Ooh, this could possibly happen, but you probably would have never thought to yourself, Hey, if I leave university, I'm going to meet the love of my life in the next six months. You know, Mm. I mean, like that's the kind of like, that's the kind of beauty that shows up when we let flow move us, you know, it is trying to flow things to us, you know, and, and we're just so much fighting with our minds to try to make things look like we want and try to control things. Meanwhile, if you would just give up the control, listen to what you're, you're feeling and try to find Mm. that groove of the flow, you're going to end up receiving all these amazing things that you the, that you're the, the things you're striving for life is trying to give them to you in a lot of cases yeah. you know? absolutely and it's so much about that does it feel good great sort of keep going does it feel bad let it go because sometimes you know something that looks good on paper can still feel bad and i think it's important to pay attention to that and just like tuning into that, what, 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 how do I feel when I do this? Or how do I feel when I'm in this situation? And, and if there's excitement or anything that kind of feels kind of warm, then by all means, like follow it. But if it gives you, you know, if there's a sensation that your body's saying no, and I think we kind of, we can, we can tell when that's the case then that knowing that we do have the permission to actually not follow through and to go like, I'm going to spend my energy elsewhere. Yeah. Great word. Permission. Give yourself permission to not continue to put energy where it feels heavy. Like let's, let's outline those body feelings for people. Anyone listening, you know, what Rebecca's talking about is like, uh, feeling the feelings of that something is aligned with you it will feel maybe exciting yeah it will feel maybe light a lightness versus a heaviness it will feel um you'll feel maybe a contentment or a peace versus a tension or a a constraint it'll feel kind of like ease rather than pushing you know it'll feel like um it'll feel more like floating rather than like striving rather than carrying Mm -hmm. something heavy you know, so uh, so lightness, excitement, contentment, peace, even relief, you know, those kind of things are the things that are uh, an indicator that something is aligned with you. Your your body is giving you the guidance that that you're looking for. It's happening to you all the time in your body. That's the guidance we're all looking for. What should I do next? Your body's telling you, you know, and then what your body when your body's telling you to not do something, it's feeling heavy. It's feeling like constraint. It's feeling like you have chains on yourself. It's feeling closed. It's feeling like you're really pushing or you're in a small box. You know, it's feeling like you're carrying a heavy bag. You know, maybe you feel the energy drain out of you. You know, these kind of things versus, again, a feeling of lightness or a feeling of openness, a feeling of opening or warmth in your heart. You know, those kind of things. It shows up a little bit differently for everybody. And over time, I like what you said, Rebecca, it gets easier and easier to 
understand those signals, to feel those signals, mm. first of all, and then understand those signals. And once you have those signals, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm constantly getting guidance about what is actually in alignment with me, what's actually in my flow. Yeah, I think that's so important. There is one caveat that I want to mention because I, this came up recently in, in conversation about this very topic where, so this is for anyone who's listening who may have experienced trauma, that when you suffer from PTSD, which I did myself for um, a long time, it can be very difficult to tap into your quote-unquote body wisdom know that that's okay and that's normal there's nothing wrong with you i for a long time thought that what's wrong with me i can't like follow my intuition because i don't know where it is and etc and i've heard other people say that so if that is the case for you you can start by working through that trauma and unblocking it so that your nervous system can start sort of functioning a bit sort of regularly again and there's different ways of therapies uh, out there. One called somatic experiencing, that's really wonderful. Other people can, can find it through body work. So that's just a, a little thing that I wanted to add for anyone who might be not as connected to their body at this very moment, that there are ways that you can you can work through that and, and connect to it again. Yeah, great tip. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you. And thank you for all these amazing questions and wanting to have this conversation i so much enjoyed it i love talking about this topic i loved your stories they were just great examples of this uh, idea playing out in someone's life and and your questions um were really interesting and uh, i loved what you drew out in that so thanks so much for being here rebecca and doing this with me thank you thank you david and thank you so much for having me I'm I'm really um, so pleased to have done this, and I think it's such an interesting and a, a, more than anything important topic uh, for for all of us to to become aware of. So I think you're doing a really great thing by putting it out there. Thank you, thank you, and maybe maybe this will help a little bit all you listeners out there find a little bit more flow in your life, a little bit more of that effortlessness that helps you glide into the type of life that you actually really want. By the way, that type of life you really want, that's what I want to see happen to you because I know that that life is you serving the whole in the best way because we're all interconnected. We're all together and we're all one. And any of us finding our flow helps all of us. So thank you out there for attempting to find it and doing your best. And if you need any extra support, that's why we're here. Hey, Rebecca, why don't you tell people where they can find you again? So it's RebeccaDelgado.com, and that's where you'll find me. Great. Thanks. And you can find me at DavidPapa.live, and you can get updates about uh, the show and other shows and all the kinds of cool stuff that we're doing out there in the world to help us feel more connected and live more of our true selves. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. Until next time, this was the No Effort Human 